This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome aboard another edition of the Paul Gallant Show. I'm Paul Gallant. It is Tuesday, April 6th, 2021. Ugh. Uh, last night was awful. And I'm not going to act like a lot of you diehard Zags fans out there. I am a casual Zags fan, but I have jumped on the bandwagon. And last night was just tremendously disappointing as it did not even feel as close as 86-70. The almost undefeated season comes to a screeching halt. This one is going to stick for a while. And I don't think you're ever going to quite get over it. I don't think I'm ever going to quite get over it. You get so close to seeing something historical take place, perfection, locally. And then it ends like that. The worst part about it, too, you're never going to hear the end of it either. I mean, doesn't this validate all those people who were, I think, cackling with, glee along the way with the idea that the Zags, once they get to the final four, are going to run into the same problems that they've run into before. And I know there's some there's some Husky fans out there listening right now who are cackling. I'm sure there's some Cougs fans out there right now who are cackling. I am not. I am truly bummed out by last night's performance because I thought that Gonzaga basketball team was one of the best that I've seen in years and they didn't even look like they belonged on the same court as Baylor and this was a fun run I mean this was a team that almost went undefeated for the first time in college basketball since 1975 to 1976 with the Indiana Hoosiers it's been a really long time it had been done a couple of times before that UCLA did it I think uh, San Francisco did it as well but it has been a long time since anyone even really came close to the actual final game. And boy, they weren't as fast as Baylor. They definitely weren't as strong as Baylor. They weren't as big as Baylor. They weren't as aggressive as Baylor. They weren't as good at shooting as Baylor. And then you just see a bloodbath unfold. I mean, at halftime, I remember thinking to myself, you know, They pulled within 10, and Baylor's got some guys in foul trouble, so I guess this isn't a complete disaster. And I think that's the most enjoyment I got out of the game, and there was one Jalen Suggs fist bump, but right from the get-go, the Zags came out slow. They couldn't handle the basketball. They saw Jalen Suggs out of the game really quickly after a dubious charge call. And it was just all downhill from there. I'll tell you this. As the fan of a sports team that came very close to being undefeated, only to see them lose in the final, this one, you, you're not going to get over it. I don't think I'm going to get over this. And I, I don't think that I can, at the same time, look at everything that happened this past season really ever again in the same light, including, yes, that awesome moment that we had in that victory over UCLA on Saturday. Now, that might be just me, 
and I'm seeing on the text line 710-710 that no one will remember the Baylor season in front of zero fans, but everyone will remember the Zags game against UCLA. The loss will be a footnote. The win will live in NCAA lore. I guess I can't look at it in that same way. And for those people who can appreciate what took place, even with the context of yesterday's disastrous loss, I give you guys a lot of credit. I can't do that. I just can't. They got killed. And to me, it's almost as if like they never really belonged in the first place. What would have happened that first game against Baylor had it not been canceled? Honestly, I think something similar to this. You know, there are some people who are suggesting the idea, oh, you play this game a bunch of times, there's no way Baylor shoots that well. Regardless of how Baylor shot, Gonzaga couldn't get a shot off. I mean, outside of Jalen Suggs in the second half, by the way, everyone on that team played poorly. Corey Kispert couldn't hit a shot. Drew Timmy could not park his tokus inside the three-point line. Maybe I should be giving more credit to Baylor. I mean, I was really impressed by them, and I can't stand that school, that program, the people that have gone to that school. No offense if you're some people out there who I haven't met. I'm sure you're wonderful people, but there is a stereotype that I have about Baylor people because Baylor people do generally seem to be the same for those who have lived in Texas for a long period of time. But they're clearly the best team in college basketball. And now I'm wondering, okay, well, how how do the Zags kick the door down? But more so, I'm just thinking about the lost opportunity that maybe wasn't even that an opportunity to begin with. When you get that close to undefeated and you lose, you will think about it forever. And, yeah, you'll have some good moments. And I'm sure that Gonzaga is not about to fall back off the face of the earth. They've been great for 20 years as a basketball program. They are still going to be better than UW. They are still going to be better than Washington State by leaps and bounds. It's not close. I don't think it's going to be close anytime soon. But, oh, they were that close and got killed. So that's how I'm feeling this <laughs> this morning afternoon. 710-710 is how you text in. And my question for you, After a game, I'd call a choke job if Baylor wasn't just better than the Zags in every single aspect. Did the way the Zags lost completely invalidate an incredible season? 71% say no. 29% say yes. I tend to find myself leaning towards yes. A text in, Konzaga. That's kind of funny. It's mean. And this is what you're going to have to deal with. You come that close, you lose. Everyone's going to talk trash to you, even though they have no business talking trash to you. Uh, another text. The coughs and dogs, I think he meant the kooks, uh, can cackle all they want. When's the last time they were in a Final Four, let alone a national title game? You're right. The Zags have been here, what, twice in the last four years or so? But, oof. It's hard to it's hard to look at other people with a straight face when you get spanked like that. 7-10, 7-10. There are normal years of being drastically overrated. Yeah, this would invalidate the whole season. This year, no. 
that's coming from somebody who doesn't like them, I could tell by the way that he's texting in. So that's a fair response, I think. I mean, it was an incredible year, and they were undefeated going all the way to the end. And they played good teams at the beginning of the year. There are a lot of people that have been tweeting at me, hey, I mean, isn't this proof that they need to join a major conference? That comes from House. They're clearly very good, but they have to play better schools during the regular season. Is playing better schools going to suddenly make you, I don't know, like that guy number 23 on Baylor, whose name I'm, I'm still intimidated to pronounce, He's six foot eight, two hundred and forty five pounds. Is all of a sudden like playing better teams are going to make you bigger, faster? You know, I I don't know what the next step is. It just feels like okay, they they got into this this high point. They can probably get to another high point, but this high point meant they got basically just fired into the sun, and now they're burning. Ugh, awful. So that's my question for you. You can answer it over the course of this morning's show. Did the way Gonzaga lost? Last night, completely invalidate what was an incredible season. It's the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world. You know how to text in, 710-710. We have got the Graz joining me in the sports pit, as he always does every single Tuesday and Thursday. That's coming up at 1030. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's now time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. All right, what's what's going on, Maura? I'm sorry I'm so grumpy. I I really am bummed out by that last night. I went out. I, I had such a great experience on Saturday at Pono Ranch, watching the game with a bunch of people. I went to Shingletown in Ballard last night. It wasn't quite as packed of an environment, and everyone was just sort of staring at the television in shock, including one of my— I was going to say, you can't be this disappointed about a team you jumped on the bandwagon for, but I think it's the letdown of how exciting Saturday was Yeah, compared to last night. I wanted it again. I wanted that rush again. You know what? This might be a pandemic problem. The pandemic (laughs) is making me jones for social interactions that I haven't had in such a long time. That makes sense. I think that's accurate. I like people. (laughs) They're great. I do sometimes. Other times I prefer to hang out with my dog over people. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, speaking of uh, people, (laughs) Brandon Marshall uh, doing his I Am Athlete podcast. There's actually been some really good episodes of that. Him and uh, Chad Johnson have gotten to have some conversations that I think you otherwise wouldn't get those inside looks at how athletes think. But they got into a bit of a fight yesterday over the weirdest thing. Brandon Marshall wanted to die on the hill that NBA players don't really have guaranteed contracts. And it got pretty fired up. Y'all talking about because y'all talking about the NBA, got, everybody got guaranteed contracts, and it's false. They do. Searching this and I'm telling you, it's the they truth. Do. No, they don't. Not everybody that's on the NBA roster like who? have a guaranteed There's contract. two-way it's contracts. Not. There's there's two-way contracts, no, and then there's no, the no, top dogs. About. There's the top dog. No, it's not. There's four guys on the NBA team that got guaranteed contracts, and everybody else can be cut today and don't got nothing. And don't have land dime. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. So who has a better structure, the NBA or the NFL? Everything y'all saying is what I'm saying. One of those guys there looked so uncomfortable, and I have to imagine even Chad Ochocinco was there. Look, I, I'm I'm not here to critique on on whatever was going through Brandon Marshall's head in that moment because he has been someone who is very outspoken about his own battles with mental health. I, 
I just bring it up there because he's clearly talking out of his butt. And having watched him on First Things First with my friend Nick Wright a lot. That's what I watch every single morning while I'm getting ready to go to work. He is, especially when it comes to talking about things on the Seahawks, someone who often sounds misinformed. So you hear that? You hear him generally talking about the Seahawks and how we're have, we have been having a lot of conversations about things that Brandon Marshall has said about the Seahawks situation. This really makes me call into question just about anything that Brandon Marshall knows about the Seahawks. And sorry, I, I, I just have a hard time buying anything that he has said now. And, and I mean, look, this is a totally different situation. I was having a hard time before, but I just want people to hear this. I mean, he's clearly he's angrily talking out of his butt here. And it's, that's usually not a way to win an argument. I mean, some people get paid a lot of money to do it. <laughs> True, but usually they have more sound arguments. Skip True. Bayless, I would argue, does. Stephen A. Smith, I would argue, does. Like, they find ways. And I would specifically Skip. Like, Skip will somehow just find a way to come up with these takes that, you know, this is totally disingenuous. But... Some of the things that Brandon Marshall says with such authority, and I've even heard it on a couple of episodes of this podcast, they're just they're just not correct. And while he is, I think, entertaining, he's also in that I'm going to talk really loudly stratosphere of uh, sports talking heads. Some would argue I'm that, but I can't control the volume of my voice, so it's involuntary. All right, we've got one more to squeeze in here. Dusty Baker wants you to feel sorry for him, Paul. Well, for his team. And this is what he had to say about that. You can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the, in, in the stands. And, um, you know, how many in the, in, the, in the stands have never done nothing, anything wrong in their life? Or, you know, you know, we paid the price for it. How many people have not cheated, you know, on a test or, or, or whatever at some point in time? I mean, it's easy... You know, if you live in glass houses, but I don't think anybody lives in glass houses. I think most people know that having lived in Houston, there was a time where I really liked the Houston Astros. I have since broken up with them, but I wish them the best. I know a lot of you are going to hear that and be like, oh, Paul. I am a dedicated Seattle Mariners fan right now. Right now. Even if, hey, listen, I, I, I am a dedicated Seattle Mariners fan right now. What's wrong with that? I have been a bit of a jumpy arounder when it comes to baseball uh, in my time because I grew up a Red Sox. I quit up on I quit on the Red Sox when I was a kid. So take what I say right now. You guys all know that I kind of have a bit of a little slant towards the Astros from time to time. What Dusty Baker said there is just so dumb. Like you're gonna just ask for more beatdowns verbally from every single ballpark you go to if you say think about the children. I like Dusty Baker. But you're crying foul after this. You didn't have to. You didn't have to deal with anything last year. You dealt with zero animosity from fans, and it felt like they paid the price. When right, no one got suspended. Other than the managers that were fired, the, nothing happened to the players. The players who, they didn't even have to hear booing. You're entirely right, Mora. They didn't have to hear booing, and it feels like the entire sport was told to stop talking about the matter entirely. Like everyone has a gag order all of a sudden. A gag order. 
and now they're upset because some fans have the audacity to basically say mean things. Welcome back to a ballpark. Honestly, you should have missed that. I would have missed someone telling me that I'm the worst and that I need to die in a fire in the stands. I would have missed that. At least it's social interactions because, as you can tell, I'm a lonely, lonely person. That's what's trending with Maura Dooley. 710-710 is how you text in. You can call in 206-421-3776. Does the way that the Zags lost invalidate this entire incredible season that they just went through? You get to answer that next. Time for you guys to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be That was unintentional, me saying I'm a Mariners fan right now. (laughs) I bet that in this moment in time, that's what I am and going forward forever. But I guess you guys could call it to question my uh, relationship uh, methodology. Uh, Text in 710-710. You have a baseball wandering eye. I I do. I really do. Yeah, that one's probably not a good look for me. Was a Red Sox fan for a while. 710 710. So far, you're just a master of repeated redundancy. Oh, and did I also mention obvious, obviously? Yeah, playing better teams would make you better. It might not make you six foot eight, but it would give you some practice in figuring out how to deal with them. Fool. Okay, then. How about all those games that the Zags played at the beginning of the season against those teams that were, you know, ranked like Kansas, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, the defending national champions, technically. Like, this is a one-team thing in Baylor, but they are a one-team thing in that They're just faster, stronger, and everything compared to you. And I'd imagine there's other teams that are like that. Joining another conference, is that that going to make those players bigger, faster, and stronger? Because that's that's why they lost last night. This wasn't, hey, Gonzaga would be able to finagle their way out of this with some game plan that Mark Few would be able to draw up. Baylor just threw the full-court press, essentially, at them. Not quite full-court, but... Whenever they had the ball, did anyone get any separation? They had no ability to do it. How are you going to create separation when you don't have any players who are quick or fast or big or strong the way that Baylor was? Did you see how Baylor dominated just the offensive glass in the early sequence? It was like me playing with toddlers in basketball, which honestly still wouldn't be pretty because I'm not very good at basketball, but at the very least I would dominate the toddlers. Get out of here. Boom, boom, boom. I'm talking about rejecting shots. I'm not, you know, not not, in, not talking about, uh, I don't know, going Jordan rules on toddlers. But I'm just saying, like, that's what it looked like at first. They just looked completely overmatched. 206-421-3776. Robert's in Bothell. Robert, what's going on? Hey, thanks for taking my, thanks for taking my call. Um, call, call. Um, I just wanted to say, yes, this does valid, um, invalidate a good season by the the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Why? Because it kind of reminds me of the Seattle Supersonics, number one seed, losing to the seventh seed in the first time in NBA history. Gosh, and it had to be a Seattle team, you know, to lose to the Denver Nuggets. I tell come every time I see that Geico 
Matombo commercial you get mad. stings the heart. Well, here's you know, the difference, like, though. I mean, I understand where you're coming from because that was a great regular season team that goes down early. But they went down early, Robert, and appreciate the phone call. The Zags got all the way to the final. And it was a fun run along the way. I mean, that Saturday game was awesome, right? But I'm going to have a hard time remembering the Saturday game the same way that I'm going to remember the finale. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a great moment. But, man, they were so close to being undefeated, except for they probably weren't because they weren't really that good to begin with. That's that's where I'm at right now. And it's unfair because, honestly, Baylor's just clearly the best team in basketball. They are fast, strong, bigger. Can sh- I will say they shot out of their minds last night. But all those other things, those physical things that you just didn't measure up with, those – how how do you how do you make up for that in one year? You get some more recruits. Okay, well, once it comes to tournament time, we all know how random the tournament is. We all know that a great team will often lose earlier than they're supposed to. This year felt like the best year for chalk, maybe that we've seen in a really long time, just given how weird things were with every single major blue blood program. I mean, think about all the schools we didn't see in the NCAA tournament that we traditionally do every year. Duke? Did we see North Carolina? I don't remember. Kansas? I mean, there are a lot of teams that just didn't even get in. Kentucky? Those teams are always loaded talent-wise. Those teams are always the ones that, even if you are a crisp, sound team like Gonzaga, you go up against them, they're going to really push you to the limit. And this was the year where you didn't even have to go up against any of them along the way until Baylor. And then it goes down like this. 7-10-7-10. Curious as to how you guys feel. We will ask the Graz that question next. Hey, after an incredible year by the Zags, did that loss invalidate everything that they have done? Plus, if you've got a question for the Graz, text it in. 7-10-7-10. It's the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, Washington, the world. It's 10.30, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With all Gallant. And joining us in the sports pit, thanks to our friends at Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, it is the great and powerful Graz, Dave Grosby. Graz, I'm bummed out, man. That was a dud of a game uh, last night. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was... Going to be hard to live up to what happened on uh, on Saturday, but geez, it could have been a ball game at least for five minutes. Couldn't have. Yeah, and even then, it wasn't because right away Suggs turns it over a couple of times. He gets foul trouble, and they just looked hopelessly outmatched. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's no consolation, but uh, it was clearly the better team that won that game. I mean, I, I don't really necessarily buy into the. Uh, the fact that um, you know they were they were too too wiped out by the game on Saturday, uh, it was going to be an amazing accomplishment anyway. But you know we might have seen this had they played their regular season game, which they almost did. Uh, you know Baylor just that looked like a difficult matchup for Gonzaga, and it looked like it would be that way for them every time they played. What's I think the biggest shame of all is that they got that close to an undefeated season, but as you said, it clearly the better team won, and it's. 
you see this unbelievable accomplishment, and the last thing left to do was to beat the other clearly best team in basketball. And Mm -hmm. they were just so thoroughly outclassed in that game. A question that I've been asking everyone, Graz, does this loss invalidate a campaign that was just so incredible along the way, especially what we saw on Saturday? I think that, you know, if had they, because of the conference that they're in and the conference schedule they play, that the stuff like this gets brought up a lot. But, you know, they, they in, in the non conference, they played and beat Kansas, who was, you know, ranked 12th at the season end. They, they played and beat Iowa, who was ranked 8th. They played and beat West Virginia, who was ranked 13th. They played and beat Virginia by, by 20 plus, and they were ranked 15th. So, you know, they played a tough schedule outside the conference. So I don't think that it invalidates it. But what it means, and, and every Gonzaga fan knows this, is it makes it easily the most disappointing loss they've ever had. Um, it, it doesn't. It's probably no consolation. But, you know, what they're doing, Paul, is, is impossible. Yeah. What Gonzaga is doing and what they've done can't be done. You, it you, cannot be done. You texted this to me it, that there have been – in the first uh, 46 years of the NCAA, there were seven undefeated national champions. In the last 46 years, there are zero. Why is that? The, the, the simple reason is that in 85, they, they, which had, had already gone on for, for 11 years at that point, they, they made it a six-game uh, process for, for teams to do it. When Indiana did it, it was four. For other teams, it was, it was four, and, and in some cases, it was three. When it, when it became six games to do it, plus mm. You know, you have the proliferation of talent. It just seemingly has made it impossible. I mean, the thing about it, Paul, only three teams in the last 45 years have gone into the Final Four undefeated. Only three. So, I mean, it's it's something that, that it feels like it cannot be done uh, in, in this day and age. And, and um, you know, I, I think it had Gonzaga did it, and, I, and I, I wrote this in a story two weeks ago, I think that would have made them – uh, without question, the, the 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 greatest team in college basketball history for one season. I, I think it would have been that kind of an accomplishment had they been able to do it. And as we saw, they were unable to do it. The stamp on top of it, of course, too, would have been a win over the other team that was clearly the best in, yeah. Right. Man, it's it's tough. I'm having a tough time getting past it, Graz, because I also I just thought so much of Jalen Suggs and just what I had seen out of this basketball mm. team when I'd watched them this year. It looked like something I hadn't seen in college basketball since – Honestly, watching ESPN Classic and stuff before my time when players actually stayed for three to four years, and obviously that's never coming back, but right. with the way that they were able to bring everyone back, I wonder if they will ever have a better team than this. I know we have asked this question before about Gonzaga, but man, to get better than this after all those guys returned, I know that they got some great guys coming in next year too, but it's just hard for me to imagine them ever having a chance to make this kind of history again, and maybe especially in a year where you saw a lot of blue blood programs not even make it into the tournament, have more of an inside track to winning it because there aren't as many teams that are that athletically gifted like you saw from Baylor. Well, I think that, you know, uh, I mean, it's not a lesson to learn, but, but, but the fact of the matter is, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you lose in the regular season. If you, if you don't win the last game, I mean, if you win the last game you can, you can lose eight or nine times and it's your best season. So it's, it's all about winning that championship game. And, and you, they already have talked about him being preseason number one. And, you know, I think the other thing that makes it so tough is they played on Saturday a game that I think, uh, as time goes on a little bit, will go down as, as great a game as, as the Kentucky Duke game that, that Leitner hit the great shot in. Suggs' shot ranks with that shot, if not better than that shot. 
That game was 40 minutes of fantastic basketball. It wasn't just a great finish. It was UCLA, you know, having, you know, it's, it was so weird to have UCLA being the plucky underdog yeah. who's won 11 national championships against this little team from Spokane, but that's what they were. And they played, both teams played such a good game in that game. I mean, it was, it was going to be obviously hard to top that, you know, the win would have, would have been a perfect top to it. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the takeaway from this, as much as them not winning that national championship game is going to be as the years go by, how great that game was with UCLA. Uh, it was nice to uh, make up for, I guess, that in that win over UCLA, the uh, famous Adam Morrison game, 71-73 back in 2006. Right. Um you, Graz, we've watched four Mariners games thus far. It's early on in the season. I'm a little concerned with, with the hitting to this point, but I probably should calm down a bit on that front. Who have you been most impressed by? Uh, well, yeah, especially playing the White Sox, who I think are going to win it all this year. And, really? And they're gonna be, they're gonna, oh, yeah. I'm on the record with that on your show. Okay. I think the White Sox have the best team in baseball, and, and their pitching staff, which we're getting a look at, is that was their fifth starter last night. Whoa. That was their fifth starter last Three night. Hits. So that's I mean, all they were able to get. Wow! <laughs> and just th- and, and throw smoke, and their bullpen is fantastic. And you know, we'll see. Time will go on. But but the guy to answer your question, the the, the performance that has, has jumped out at me, and and it's just obviously one game. So I'm talking about a pitcher. But if Kikuchi can pitch the way he did in that game, and I'm not saying strike out ten every six innings he pitches, but he struck out ten, walked one. If he can be that kind of a starter. If Paxton just pitches to, to form and, and so does Marco Gonzalez, all of a sudden for the Mariners, you're looking at three solid starters, which is something that not a lot of teams have in this league and certainly they haven't had in a long time. So I, I thought that that was, that's, for me, easily the most impressive thing that I've seen in this first week is Kikuchi. And, and if he can, he can be a reasonable facsimile of that guy the Mariners have three strong starters, assuming Paxton stays healthy. That's going to help them immeasurably as the year goes on, maybe as much as anything, because it does look like you know that's not a team that you want to have relying on their bullpen that often. And uh, boy, to have three big starters would be would be something that would be a very very nice thing, especially come those days in July and August. Yeah, those first two innings he threw, Kikuchi. Graz, I went out to uh, Asadero Steakhouse in, in, in Ballard that night, and I basically nice. was, was skipping after the first two innings because that's all I watched on Friday before watching the, like, the highlights afterwards. Man, he was electric. And how, how he can be able to – what he needs to figure out is how to be that consistent like that. And that's really difficult to do, but, man, mm-hmm. when he gets in that groove and, – and I think Scott Service said it after the game – like. He was he was giddy. He was so thrilled with his ability to finally have that kind of mastery in the game, and and to not fall apart. You know, to not fall apart after two innings. Uh, you know, is is something that's important as well. So I, I'm I'm hoping that that bodes well for the future. You know, the immediate future, meaning this year. I mean, he's 30 years old, so you're not talking about a guy you you hope gets gets better in two or three years. This is the year. I mean, this is the year that he's got to step up and, and show that he's a major league pitcher, and he's off to a good start, even though it's just one start. Graz, it's always a blast. We'll hear more from you on Thursday, and hopefully the Mariners will put a dent in the eventual World Series champs. We're going we're gonna to write that one down. I'll stand by it. That's a hot take. I like it. I like it. All right, buddy. Talk to you Thursday. All right, the one and only Graz, everybody. Again, thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Okay, guys, up next. 
there is a moment that took place today in sports media that is hilarious, and I just want you to listen to it because it's it's great to go back down memory lane from time to time, especially on a day where I'm at the very least feeling down in the dumps after the Zags went down. And the question still remains on the table, 206-421-3776 to call in. You can also text in to 710-710. Did the Zags loss on last night against Baylor invalidate a season that saw perhaps one of the coolest buzzer-beating shots in Final Four history just a couple of days before. Is that entire season now an afterthought compared to the way that they went out? You get to answer that next on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, Washington, nay, the world. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. My question to you. On the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. Did the Zags loss last night, 86-70, wasn't even really that close, to Baylor validate the entirety of this past season or the majority of this past season? Some texts, 7-10, The Zags came off one of the greatest, most emotional and tiring games in NCAA history. They played below their ability, shot worse than normal, and had less energy than normal. This was just an unfortunate circumstance. Ah, that sounds like an excuse to me. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be the best basketball team in the country. And, I mean, is not the way that Baylor plays very taxing, too? The entirety of last night, the entirety of their game against UH. Yeah, I know. They ran away with it. It was early, earlier. But I'm not I'm not allowing that one. Not as an excuse. 7-10-7-10. Why would this loss invalidate a great season? It was the championship game. They went 31-1. and You can never take that away. Well, there's the one at the end. And to me, having experienced people doing the old 18 and one chant to get under your skin, you will probably hear that from time to time. Some trollsmanship from some dogs, from some cougs. That's the thing that's going to hold over you forever. Yeah, it's a great year. Also, you're Gonzaga, you're, you're more used to this than the average basketball program. You're not quite blue blood, but you're pretty darn close. And you've been here a couple of times, and now it's another L. By the way, if you stay tuned all day long here on 710 ESPN Seattle, we're giving away a pair of Mariners tickets every single hour until noon. So guess what, guys? That's right now. Call 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776 in one minute if you're listening on the radio. 30 seconds if you're on the stream. Caller number two, you're going to win a pair of tickets to see the Mariners take on the White Sox tomorrow afternoon. We're giving away a pair of tickets every hour until noon. So you got one last chance on Jake and Stacy. Keep it tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. And don't forget, baseball's back at T-Mobile Park. Get your tickets at Mariners.com. If you're asking me that question, I'll just say, I'm not going to remember the road traveled. Maybe I remember the beginning of the road trip. But I'm going to remember you got to where you wanted to go and then everything just hit the fan and I'm 
I, I feel like that hitting of the fan is is quite traumatic, given the way that Baylor dismembered them. And honestly, I think if I think if it had been a closer game, I think I could look back at this past season and think, man, they were so close. Instead, they get to this game and it's like, wait, were they the best team in basketball? I thought this could be a all time historic team, and now I I just don't feel that same way anymore. 7-10, 7-10. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to see last year's Gonzaga team in the tournament because they probably would have won it all. I agree with you there, but at the same time, I feel like this team was more likely to win it all this year than it was last season. Another text. Gonzaga beat all the teams that you mentioned. I mentioned those teams that they played at the beginning of their schedule. Kansas, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia. I don't think you can knock their schedule. That's not something to knock along the way. They are fast and strong and have played well against very good large defenses. They just had a completely bad game. Probably exhausted from the UCLA game. Again, I'm not expecting that excuse. One bad game in 39. I'll take it. Less than 39. Hmm. Another text. Was Houston invalidated with Olajuwon and Drexler when they lost to Georgetown with Ewing and Sleepy Floyd? Well, you look back at Phi Slamma Jamma with a bit of a different lens just given the fact that they also lost to NC State in the championship. Now, it's great to get to two championships in a row. I mean, what we saw Butler do that, I think. But you lose both? There's a lot of what-if that's attached to that. Those are some all-time great teams. I mean, man, those those UH teams, it's crazy, too, that those two ended up playing for the Houston Rockets down the, down the stretch. Was Indiana State with Larry Bird invalidated? A little bit different because that's a Cinderella story, right? That was a one-time thing with Larry Bird, and that was it. They lose in the final to Michigan State and Magic Johnson, and they were thoroughly outclassed by Michigan State, which was just a, a better all-around team. And it was just really Larry Bird by himself on Indiana State. So... I look at that one, and I, I understand that kind of line of thinking because at least the way that the game went down at the end, I, I don't think it was particularly close. That is something that you could say, okay, yeah, there's some similarities there. But to me, I'm like, you, you got all this way. You've been here a couple of times before. You're, you're, you're not quite used to it, but you're used to it, if that makes sense as far as Final Four appearances. One last thing I wanted to play for you guys before you hit the road. Did you know this is the 17-year anniversary of the time that Jim Rome got attacked on national television? It's a funny moment to me, maybe not to Jim Rome or to Jim Everett, but uh, for those who don't remember, I wanted to give you guys this exchange before we get out of here. Said that Chris Everett, good to have you on the show. You know what? You know, you've been calling me that for about the last five years. About two years, actually, Chris. Well, somewhere along the way, Jim, you ceased being Jim and you became Chris. So let me tell you a little secret. But, you know, we're sitting here right now, and if you guys want to take a station break, you can. But if you call me Chris Everett to my face one more time, I already did twice. You better, no, one more time, we better take a station break. Well, it's a five-minute segment, our five-segment show. We got a long way to go. We do. We got a long way to go. We do. I'll get a couple segments out of here. It's good to be here with you, though. Well, it's good to see you, too. We've been talking like this behind my back for a long time. But now I said it right here. Right. Exactly. We got no problems yet. I think that you, you probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. And there you have it. End scene. Appreciate y'all tuning in to today's edition of the Paul Galan Show. Better days are ahead, Zags fans, but this is a tough one and a one that we're going to, well, I'm casual. One that 
will be remembered for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to the Gras who joined me earlier, to our caller, Robert and Bothell, our texters, our tweeters, and, of course, the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Danny and I will be back at you tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock.